Disciples House, where the Word and the Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. You may be seated. We'll go over some announcements. Pastor Mike is still working the fire stuff. He works from, I guess he didn't get home till close to 10.30 last night. Uh, and, of course, he was back at the office at 7 this morning. Um, 
So uh, the rain that we have been getting, thank God, has been helping. He said, you know, some of y'all know this, we have an ongoing, um, how can I say it? We have an ongoing debate, Pastor Michael and I do, as to if fog is a cloud or a mist. And uh, and uh, he said yesterday, last night he was so tired that I think I won the debate. <laughs> he said, I said, you know, is the rain helping? He said, oh, yeah. He, I said, what's the fire doing? He said, I don't know. He said, uh, he said it was in the fog all day. He said the clouds never lifted. So I think I won the debate. I think I did. <laughs> Just harassing him. I think I did. And uh, but so um, the fire activity is definitely much much reduced. But we really won't know until um, it kind of dries out because the underbrush and the undersides of the logs and things like that are still burning and. If the wind, you know, we get a good sunny day with some good stiff wind, then it can up and run. Uh, on the good note, uh, God is answering our prayers, and he has the meteorologist confused. <laughs> From what the meteorologist told Mike last night, maybe I'm giving out information I shouldn't, but he said, well, all of the, model, the models are all over the board. You could flip a coin, and you might be right. So I said, well, we know what that is. We know that uh, God's hearing our prayers and the rain's on the way. That's not confusing to us at all. So praise the Lord, the word is working. Um, thank you to everybody that came out and supported Todd and Misty Graves' benefit. They were absolutely overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Uh, the amount raised for them to help them with medical cost was phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, uh, Brooke told me Todd was just weeping and crying all day because he was just so overwhelmed with the love. And I told her, I said, just keep telling them that's the love and the goodness of God. Just keep putting that before them. And so, you know, that's just, it was just fantastic. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support for that. They, from what I understand, Brooke told me they didn't have anything left. They sold out of the food. They sold out of all the cakes, all the raffle stuff. They, they knocked it out of the park. So thank God. You know, that's a that just shows that a community that loves Jesus can do some amazing things. It really does. Um, of course, this Friday night is our family fun night. Don't worry, Pastor Mike doesn't even have time to pick the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he don't even have time. Uh, but we, <laughs> and that's just a joke from our last movie night. And the last movie night was great, but it had a very sad ending. Uh, so I said, you're not picking the next one. He just he has a knack for picking great movies, and then other times you're like, why did you put me through that? <laughs> but uh, this Friday night, we'll be here at 6.30. We'll have everything all set up. Just bring in your uh, crock pots of chili or soup, whichever you prefer, and whatever side you like to go with it. Uh, we'll have all the dishes and bowls and drinks and all of that, and uh, we'll just have a really good time of fellowship, and we'll watch a good movie together. And uh, Yeah, oh, yeah, we'll pray. Uh, we'll pray it. Uh, we, well, no, we'll pray it. We'll pray at six. It'll just be a shorter prayer, a little bit of a shorter prayer. It'll be fine. Um, you know, yeah, we're not going to miss prayer. Our prayer time is powerful and necessary, and we're accomplishing great things in prayer. So we won't miss that. Christmas fellowship is coming. Uh, that's going to be December sixteenth, and we like to play some dirty reindeer games. Um, one of the games that we like to do is, you know, Dirty Santa. You know, everybody brings a gift. 
uh, we've relegated those gifts to either being a Christmas ornament or a Christmas decor of some type. Hopefully we can get Miss Deborah here again this year. She was a hoot last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's always that one gift that everybody wants. There's always that one gift. So bring that gift in. Uh, bring it wrapped, of course, and then we'll have all of the details next week. Some people have been asking, are we going to do it catered again, or are we going to cook? And I still haven't figured it out. So if you have a preference, let me know. <laughs> and uh, But we'll have it all worked out by the end of the week. And then... Um, of course, December 25th, uh, Christmas Day, uh, we do an evening service on Christmas Day. We leave the morning so you can spend time with family and do your family traditions. And then that evening uh, at 5 o'clock, I think, is when we normally do that service. Uh, we'll gather and we'll honor Christ because that's what the season is all about. And then April 28th and, uh, I mean, April 18th through the 20th, we're going to go to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. I'm really looking forward to that. If you are like, like, I really want to go and I'm planning to go, but I've got like this one or two things that I've got to get worked out, go ahead and tell us that because that will help us to know exactly how many are going so we'll know how much accommodations to make for. And then, of course, youth camp is right around the corner. In fact, uh, this month coming up, the church deposits are due, uh, the church deposit, not the camper deposits. Uh, so that's gearing up and praise the Lord. Yep. And then um, before we do our meditation, just want to remind you, of course, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., Brother James is not here this morning because he's gone to see his mother because it's her birthday. It's Miss Betty's birthday, and she is a prayer warrior for our ministry. Um, and we thought she was headed home to heaven a couple weeks ago, and uh, she bounced back again. I think this is her 88th birthday, 88. Um, and so we send him with wishes and traveling mercies and uh, Miss Suits spending the day at home, uh, but she sends her love. She'll see us Wednesday. Uh, she's going to join us online today um, and uh, just love on her. But Sunday mornings at 10, and then Miss Patty, she, you know, she worked that benefit all day yesterday. And she said, she sent a message. She said, I'm going to watch from online because my body needs rest. I said, we understand. And when she comes, she comes from Robbinsville. So it's not a light trick for her to get here. Uh, so she's online with us today, and we love you, and we appreciate you. And then, we, of course, we've got uh, Miss Shirley, Olivia's grandmother down here in Hayesville that listens to us faithfully. Um, and we pray for her and lift her up and encourage her. And then we've got Cheryl and Billy. They're out there in Turtle Town that are faithfully with us online. Uh, so um, we send our love to all of those that are online. We've got several people. Uh, we've, got a fr we've got our dear friend Doug Downey and... Um, Florida that listens very faithfully. Uh, so we just send our love to everybody. My dad in Kentucky. We've got people everywhere, everywhere. Praise the Lord. We've got people in foreign countries that listen to us very regularly. So, you know, sometimes you can look around the house and go, wow, are we doing anything for the kingdom? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're reaching. We're reaching far and wide all across the world. And we just love Jesus. We've got somebody in Blairsville. I have no idea who they are, but we've got somebody in Blairsville that's super, super committed. We've got somebody in Atlanta that's super committed. We've got somebody outside of uh, outside of Washington D.C. that's super committed. I don't know where these people are. I got some. We got somebody in Kansas that's really super committed. 
uh, I mean, we just, you know, and we just welcome all of you, and we love you all. And if you ever need prayer, then, you know, reach out to us. Um, but, but just know we're praying for you. And uh, that's just a little trinket of the people that we are aware of. Um, glory to God. We've got friends in Canada that listen. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't know why God's got me on this. I guess y'all would need some encouragement this morning. Uh, but we do have Sunday services at 10 a.m. We've got prayer for the six Sundays at 5 p.m. Uh, we just come in here and we pray for anyone that we know that needs healing. Um, and our and our prayer team is out there talking to people, letting them know we're healing, getting regular updates on how they're doing, and uh, just showing them that prayer works. And uh, glory to God. And then if you're sick and you need prayer, come on into the house. We'll pray for you. That's fine. Uh, but we're praying that all sickness and disease be broken off this local area. We command all sickness to be eradicated from this area. Uh, we do that at 5 o'clock on Sundays, and then we go right into prayer and healing school service where we teach you about biblical prayer and how to receive biblical healing um, and how to, once you get your healing, how to maintain your healing. There's a lot of people that get miraculously healed, but they don't maintain that healing. And there is a work that has to be done to maintain that healing. So we do that at 6 o'clock on uh, Sunday evenings. And then Wednesday evenings we have service at 7. And we have some people that come in ahead of time and pray ahead of time. And then Friday evening at 6 we do prayer service. Uh, and uh, that service we pray the will of God. We come in with the, with the nation on the mind. We come in with the body of Christ as a whole on the mind. And then we say, Father, whatever you want us to pray, that's what we'll pray out. And uh, we've prayed out some amazing things. And we ex during that service, we exercise our God-given authority in Jesus Christ's name. And uh, we tell Satan to get out. <laughs> and we tell him we ain't putting up with his nonsense. Uh, so we do a lot of praying in this, in this ministry. That was one of the mandates that the Lord spoke to my heart uh, when he was giving us the blueprint for Disciples' House. He said, you will be a house of prayer. Uh, so we definitely put an emphasis on prayer. Uh, glory to God. You know, Jesus got upset when he went into the synagogues where they were supposed to be praying and seeking the Lord, and instead they were selling sacrificial animals and all kinds of uh, made goods and what have you. Basically, they were having a bazaar in the church instead of a worship service, and uh, Jesus didn't take kindly to that. Uh, so we want to make sure that we are not offensive to God. Glory to God. And, of course, you can always join us online. We've got it. We, we've, we have a big online presence to get the word out. You can get us through discipleshouse.faith. Discipleshouse.online takes you immediately to our sermon page. Uh, or discipleshouse.org. Or you can get us on Facebook. If I ever get, I shouldn't say it that way, as soon as I get myself to sit down and spend a few days on the computer, we'll be on um, YouTube and uh, some other sources as well. It's just i got to get there and get it all set up and what have you. Um, our online server who puts all of our services out there, they've upgraded. They've switched to in a completely different version. Um, and so I've got to go in and change our players and everything so we can take advantage of all of their new stuff. So some great things are happening out there. And uh, so glory to God, just just uh, know that, you know, we're working. We're doing things for the kingdom. Sometimes you can look at the number of people, but God's not about people. God's about quality and heart. 
So glory to God. With that said, I was doing some research this morning, and uh, Christians only make up about one-third of the earth's population. If Jesus came back, because a lot of Christians are going, oh, Jesus, is getting bad down here. Why don't you come back? Well, if what I saw was correct, uh, one-third of the nation or one-third of the world's population are, are uh, Christians, self-proclaimed Christians, which means that two-thirds of the earth will go to hell if Jesus comes back today. That's not a good ratio. And then if you consider of the one-third of people that claim to be Christians, how many of them are only head ascent versus heart ascent, and how many of them are actually living clean and actually qualify, uh, those numbers change dramatically. Uh, so we've got a big, 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 big work to do. Uh, we don't need Jesus to come back just yet. Uh, what we need is we need the power of God. That's what we need. We need the power of God. And in order, and, But here's the deal. The power of God is already here. The power of God is already active. The problem is not on God's end. The problem is on our end. And for that purpose, I left last week's confession and meditation in the, in the scriptures, in the, in the bulletin again this week. Because I just read it and I thought, Lord, that doesn't need to change. And he said, I agree. So this week we want to meditate on John 15, 7. And it says this, and I put some little parentheses in there to help us understand the scripture better. It says, if you abide in me, Christ Jesus, and my words, spirit spoken words, abide in you, you shall have what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If we don't get the word of God in on the inside of us and get it to be a reality for us, then we'll never be able to pull it down into natural manifestation. Uh, but if we'll study and we'll make ourselves aware of the word and get the word to go from head knowledge to spirit spoken, man, there ain't nothing we can't accomplish in Christ. Glory to God. So let's confess this together. If I do the work to abide in Christ... And get his spirit spoken words to abide in me. Then I can ask what I want. And it will be done for me. Glory to God. Well, if I get a spirit spoken word down on the inside of me, does that mean that I can believe for my neighbor's wife? No, because if his words residing on the inside of you, you're not going to ask for that. You're not going to ask for that. Well, can I, get, can, I, can I abide in the word and then ask God to give me the greatest high I've ever had? Well, no, because if you get his word in you, you won't believe for that. You won't, you won't believe for that. So, uh, yeah, so just get the word in there. And then as you get the word in you, your, your desires for the things of God will begin to uh, build and grow. And then I added two scriptures for the healing scripture because you put these two together. And, man, it's a good word. John 6:35 And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now that doesn't sound much like a healing scripture until you deal with sickness. And then you you understand that you just hunger and thirst for wellness and uh, and and for healing. And so you so you know, if you're hungering and thirsting for pain to go, if you're hungering and thirsting for weakness to leave your body, uh, then you can just go to Jesus, and Jesus will give you what you need for those things. And, man, it's so good. And then First Peter 2, 24, we love this scripture. 
uh, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Man, it was so good that Christ bear all sin in his body. Glory to God. That we, being dead to sins, look at that. We got to be dead to sins, should never or should live on to righteousness. If we're dead to sin, then we're living on to righteousness. And if we're doing that, then we're allowed to say, by whose stripes we were healed. And if you were healed, then guess what? You are healed. Glory to God. Uh, so let's confess this. Jesus is my bread of life. I go to him. I never hunger or thirst for health or healing. Because by his stripes, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. Glory, 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 glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we come to you today, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness, your mercy, and your grace. Father, this is the hour that we, your body, gather together, your members gather together as the body to honor you, to worship you, to praise you, to lay our cares at your feet, Father God. And, Father, we just come to give you praise, honor, and worship that you're due. So, Father, as we, as we lift up our voices, as we lift up our holy hands, as we surrender to you, may you be glorified. And, Father, as we come to hear the word, Father, we don't come to hear the word of man, but, Father, we come to hear the word of heaven to receive a revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to draw closer to you. So, Father, we surrender our hearts. We surrender our minds. We surrender our emotions. We surrender all that we are to you. And, Father, we ask that you sow the good seed of the word into our hearts as our hearts are prepared as good ground. And, Father, that as the word is received, as we meditate on it, as we take it forth, as we review it, as we study it, Father, we thank you in advance that you'll give us wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, that it will bring us life and a cure. And, Father, we give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, let's stand and do our confession and uh, worship the Father together. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Oh, you need this? Yes, honey, I'll give you that one. Good Lord. Glory. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Disciples House. Uh, let's do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works.
I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Let's surrender to our God.
surrender to you. We say more of you and less of me. Glory, glory be your name, Father God. To you, Lord Jesus, hear our prayer. Oh, 
cries to you. Glory, glory, glory. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory, glory to you, Father God. We sing praises to you. Get out of your head. Get into your spirit as we sing honor and praise to our Father God.
can't hold back just a little bit. More of you, Father God. We surrender all.
desire that relationship for which you were created. Father, we do desire more of you and less of us. Father, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Father, you hold all of heaven and earth and all of creation in your hand. For it's all formed and held together by your word. And Father, in the majesty of it all, you called us into relationship with you. And Father, we choose to respond to that calling. And we choose to say, yes, Father, we lean in, we push toward, we knock at the door saying, Father, we desire that relationship for which you have created us. And Father, we give you glory and honor as we position ourselves today to get to know you better in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can be seated this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, today's flow, I believe, is going to be a bit of a teaching flow. Glory to God. I believe today is going to be a bit of a teaching flow. And uh, glory to God. God's with us. Glory to God. Derek, come here, honey. You're good right there. Just just come back this way. Make a, make a U-turn, bud. Come here. Make a U-turn. Thank you, Father. Just lift your hands up to the Lord. Father, our brother is about to go through a major life change. In fact, he's already been working towards it. And Father, his body is fighting back. His body is resisting. His body is putting up seemingly large roadblocks. But, Lord, we know according to your word that you're the God of all flesh, and there is nothing too hard for you. And so, Father, we thank you. Father, we know. Father, he looked at having this procedure done some 20 years ago nearly. Has it been that long? Give or take. It's been a while. And, uh, Lord, back then there was no peace, but now there's been peace. And, Father, now there's been a knowing on the inside. So, Father, we know that he's in your time. We know that he's in your will. We know that he's in your plan. You've spoken word over word over word to him about this day and about this hour. So, Father, we give no heed to the lies of the body. We give no heed to the sickness and disease that Satan is trying to bring. And, Father, we lay our hand upon him right now. And we command these muscles to line up in Jesus' name. We command these nerves to line up in Jesus' name. We command this pain to go permanently and to never return in Jesus' name. And, Father, as the weight begins to fall off, Father, it's going to fall off at such a supernatural speed and such a supernatural rate that his body's going to say, oh, 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 what do I do? What do I do? But, Father, it will not respond with pain. It will not respond with troubles. It will not respond with weakness. It will respond according to the Creator's original design, and, we, and he will fulfill his plan, and he will run his race, and he will finish it with completion. 
again. There it is, right there. Oh, receive. Take a deep breath. Oh, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Oh, randande. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Father, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, peace beyond peace, wisdom beyond wisdom, knowledge above knowledge. Father, stepping in and moving in to the new level and to the new run and into the new race. In Jesus' mighty name, glory to God. You got it. You got it. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Glory, glory, glory to God. You know, sometimes uh, we want God to show up in our time. But sometimes you've got to take a little while and you've got to stand in faith. Sometimes you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes when the body doesn't want to respond, that's when you've got to push in harder. That's not when you drop back and quit. That's when you push in and you say, no, I'm not going to be denied. I'm not going to be denied. I mean, honestly, I'm so super proud of you, Mr. Derek, because I know what that pain is that you're going through. I've experienced it, and I know how much effort it takes to get up and say, no, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. But God always honors it, always honors it. He always honors it. Glory to God. Kim, come here, honey. Come here. Come here. Come here. Just raise your hands to God. Just rest and relax. Thank you, Father. Father, peace and comfort. Peace and comfort. Peace and comfort. Father, peace, peace, peace. Peace to his mind. Peace to his emotions. Peace and comfort. Oh, Nande. Peace and comfort, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Peace and comfort. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Feeling. Feeling. It's right there, Kim. The Lord is just filling you with his peace. He's just filling you with his comfort. He's filling you with his overwhelming love. I just keep hearing the Lord say, Whom I set free, I set free indeed. Whom I set free, I set free indeed. Satan, you release him right now, completely and fully in Jesus' name. You release him completely and fully in Jesus' name. Completely and fully in Jesus' name. You leave his thoughts alone. You leave his emotions alone. For he has been completely set free. You have no hold to him anymore. You quit talking to him in the nighttime. You quit talking to him in the quiet places. You quit talking to him. He doesn't belong to you anymore. He does not belong to you anymore. Now you shut up and leave him alone. Because he's completely free. He's completely healed. He's completely whole. He's completely restored. The things of old have no hold on him anymore. Now, Father, I thank you for it. Now, Father, Father, I thank you that his mind becomes clearer and 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 clearer in Jesus' mighty name. Now, I want you to set your heart. Father, I'm not going to sin anymore. Okay? Set your heart right there. Can you do that? 
Say this with me. Everybody say this with me. Say, Father, we've been set free in Jesus' name. That means sin has no hold on me. I choose from this day forward to never sin again. If I slip, if I trip, I'll be quick to repent. I'm giving Satan no hold. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm walking upright. I'm I'm walking clean. And Satan, get away from me. In Jesus' name. Father, I walk in your provision. I walk in your wealth. I walk in your health. I walk in your goodness. And I walk with you day by day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Brother Bob, let me pray over you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Do you need healing anywhere in your body? Are you good everywhere? Any sore hips, bones, anything? Arthritis. Okay. 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 Just raise your hands to the Lord. The Lord wants to set you free. I saw you get up and the Lord said healing. So I said, okay, Lord. Father, we speak to arthritis right now in his body. We command those calcium deposits, those extra things in the body that do not belong to dissolve right now in Jesus' mighty name. We command all the aches and pains that come with age to leave his body and to never return in Jesus' mighty name. Father, health and supernatural healing from the top of his head to the soles of his feet in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, I thank you. He's your servant. Oh, ha, ha. Oh, randande. Ha, so. Ma, ah, 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 see. Oh, oh, oh. Desires, desires, desires of the heart coming to pass. Oh, desires of the heart coming to pass, Lord. Oh, ki i, ah, sunday. Oh, de, 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 ki i, sunday. I see you. Oh, I see you crying out to me and calling out to me. And I have heard from heaven. And as you obey me, as you delight in my word, I will indeed give you the desires of your heart, so saith the Lord. Oh, man, what? Who? Oh, 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 desires of the heart. Who? Wow, thank you, Holy Ghost. What an anointing. Ooh. 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 Just kind of begin to just kind of move. Anything that bothered you when you, that arthritis, anything that kind of just, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Healed whole and well. Glory, glory, glory. Miss Brooke, come here, honey. Come here, Brooke. You were the other one. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Derek, come up here and usher behind her. I don't know you're going anywhere. He just said have him usher. Zach, you can stay there. 
Just raise your hands to the Lord. The Lord just wants to impart some things to you. Brooke, say this with me. Say, Father God, Father God all my cares, all my worries, all my fears, all my anxieties, I lay them down at your feet. Father, from this day forward, I refuse to carry the care in Jesus' name. Now, Father, fill her with your peace. Peace. I hear these words, no surprise, no surprise, no surprise. Nothing that has happened and nothing that has occurred has been a surprise to me, saith the Lord. For I have a plan and I have a provision and I'm going to shift some things and I'm going to move some things and I'm going to make some things clear and right. And though things are moving at a rate faster than you suspected, it's moving right according to my time. But don't fear, do not carry the fear, do not carry the worry, do not carry the anxiety. For I have a plan and a purpose, and I'm already calling people and finances to your side. So just rest in me, saith the Lord, and begin to praise me when fear, worry, and anxiety attempt to grab hold. Because I've already got the provision. I've already got the plan. I've already got it worked out. And those that you bring before for me i'm watching them i see them and i am a deed working on their heart but you know as well as i do that there's some stiff-necked people but lord but but my daughter the the i the lord have them right in the palm of my hand because you brought them before me and i'm shifting some things and i'm working on some things and i'm and i'm adjusting their hearts so continue to be my light continue to be bold and just trust that i have you in the palm of my hand rest 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 in jesus mighty name oh rest 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 in peace. Rest in peace. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet, filling her with comfort and peace in Jesus' mighty name. He's got you right in the palm of his hand. Glory to God. He sure does. He's got you. Hold on. I got tissues. I need to remember to pull these out before I start praying over people. I need to remember to do that ahead of time. Glory to God. Peace and comfort. Jackie, come here. Hyundai, come on, come on, ushers, come on, Derek, come on. I know he, the Lord's working the body. I know. Come on, raise your hands to the Lord. Get in position to receive. Thank you, Lord. Quit listening to the lies of Satan, my daughter. Quit working things out in your head. Lord, I don't want to say that. No, Jackie, understand this is this is the Lord. This is not me. This is God speaking. This is not me. Because I would not say this. Just just listen and receive. Daughter. You have sinned against my servant. You have sinned with the sin of familiarity. You have sinned with, with, with 
dishonor, disrespect, and lack of reverence. And I don't handle that well, says the Lord. But I don't measure you by your mind. I measure you by your heart. So know that you are loved and know that you are forgiven. But it's time for you to stop acting out of your head and for you to start behaving out of your heart. Stop thinking that my servant is just just a person. My servant speaks from me at all times. She's yielded herself to me. And she has said to me, Father, not her words, or not my words, but your words. And she's requested to do that day in and day out. And my servant has requested to operate in my wisdom to guide my people instead of putting herself first. So it's time that you show respect. It's time that you show reverence. It's time that you show the honor that's in your heart. And as you do, I will begin to shift and move things for you. Now, Lord, you know those are not my words. Lord, you know I don't build myself up. Lord, I don't do that. I don't like saying those words. But, Lord, I know you had to correct some things. So, Father, I thank you for that correction. And, Father, I thank you for the giftings. Oh, I just, (laughs) Jackie, when I said that word giftings, I heard the Lord say, Daughter, Quit doing what you want and start doing what I called you to do. Quit doing what you want and embrace what I've called you to do. You're struggling because you're trying to put yourself first. You can't walk that way with me. You have to put me first and I'll fill in the gaps, so saith the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Some tissues. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, is there anything else you want to do this morning before we get into the teaching of the Word? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I think we're going to start into teaching. We're going to talk about you are called, or we, each of us, we are all called to a relationship. To a relationship. We are not called to a religion. We are called to a relationship. Many people, many people will try to put your relationship with God in a box, and you need to be very careful to not let them do that. Many people will try to say, well, what denomination are you, you know, what religion are you? Well, what do you mean what religion am I? I'm not, uh, you know, and uh, you, you, you need to learn to be bold and say, well, I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. Because we don't have a religion. A religion will put you into bondage. Religion will put you into bondage. I looked up a couple of definitions of religion this morning. And in this one question, it says, what is the difference between religion and spirituality? And it says, spirituality and religion are often used interchangeable, but the two concepts are different. Some authors contend that spirituality involves a personal request for the meaning of life. Well, we don't, that's not what we're about. 
while religion involves an organized entity with rituals and practices focusing on a higher power or God. So a religion is an organized entity with rituals and practices. We don't have rituals. We do have practices of faith. We do have practices of how we operate in our relationship with God, uh, but they're not practice. They're not technically practices. It's basically relationship. It's basically relationship. So we don't have. So so while we while we do respond to the spirit and we understand that we are a spirit, we're not what the world calls spiritual. What the world calls is spiritual. Uh, and though we do have certain rituals or routines, like uh, the church doors are open, I'm there. Uh, we do have certain rituals, or, or you know, a ritual is something that you do on a very repetitive motion. Uh, you know, we may have a ritual of doing our Bible study in the morning, or maybe we have a ritual of uh, spending time in prayer before we go to the bed. But that's not. That it, it, but it's we're not doing it out of a religious duty. We do it out of a relationship, out of relationship. Uh, so so we don't fall under that definition. The other definition that they had, um, let me get there. The other definition that they have is this: religion is a set of organized beliefs, practices, and systems that most often relate to the belief and worship of a controlling force. How much you know God is not controlling us? God does not control us. In fact, God can't make us do anything unless we are willing to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. He has the power to, to control, uh, but he is too much of a gentleman and an upright, righteous God to grab a hold of us and take control. No, that's what Satan does. Satan and his demons, given the opportunity, will grab a hold of people and force them to do things. Um, you know, there was some outcome in the media in the last week or two about the Nashville shooter. And the Nashville shooter was a biological, you know, back in March when they were in Nashville, when that uh, uh, Christian school with the shooter and the little nine-year-olds got shot and some teachers got shot. Uh, that was a biological female that did that, that lived a transgender male life. Uh, what does that have to do with anything? Well, uh, that was a demon controlling that woman, making that woman believe that she was a man. And, that was another, and then there was another spirit, a murderous spirit, that controlled that woman's mind to the point that she did such a hard, that she committed such an atrocity. Uh, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How much do you know that that demon or those demons overtook that woman to and, and stole every aspect of her life and destroyed every aspect of her life and did not only kill her, caused her to be killed, but caused others to be killed. Um, you know, that's what demons do. God doesn't do that. God is not a controlling force. Now, do we have a set thing of beliefs that we believe in? Yep, it's contained between these two covers right here. It's contained in these 66 letters. So do we have certain beliefs that we hold on to? Absolutely. Uh, but just because we have beliefs that we hold on to doesn't mean uh, that the beliefs we hold on to um, or so that we can worship a controlling force because we don't. Uh, 
Our God is a loving, compassionate God. Um, and so you need to understand that. There's another, there's another big misnomer about our God and about religion. Um, uh, people say this. They say that Christianity is uh, the religion of uh, that God that loves the sinners. You know, they, they, you hear all the time, Jesus, friend of sinners. Um, uh, well, is that true? Is that scriptural? Well, I want to look at a couple of scriptures, and I want to see something here. I want you to go to um, John. Um, hold on. I want you to go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. And believe it or not, you're going to find out why some people's prayers don't get answered right here. John chapter 9, verse 31. John 9, 31. Now, this may seem mean, uh, but these are uh, people, and they're talking to Jesus. And um, John 31, and it says, The man answered and said unto them, Why herein... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. I'm sorry. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners. God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, he heareth them. He heareth. heareth. God, the person that is the perpetual sinner, God doesn't even hear their voice. Why? Because they're not serving him. Now, that's a hard reality to know about our God. See, sin cannot stand in the presence of God. Sin cannot stand in his presence. Why? Because when sin comes in the presence of God, sin is eradicated. Because sin is an element of darkness. And light pushes out all darkness. And so, uh, and these were not the words of Jesus. These were some people talking to Jesus. Uh, but they were talking some truth, and he said, Now we know that God heareth not the sinner. But if any man be a worshiper of God, if we'll be a worshiper of God, uh, then he and, and doeth his will. There's people that can do God's will, but they won't worship him. And there's people that will worship God, but they won't do his will, which is the more common thing. What is worship? Worship is honoring God for who he is. Praise is honoring God for what he does. But worship is honoring God for who he is. And there's people that will say, oh, that's God. You don't mess with him. But then they turn around and they sin. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, okay, so you're going to worship, but you're not going to do his will. No, if we want to hear from, if we want... um, To have a relationship with God, we need to worship and we need to do his will. How much do you know? Let me ask you this. And and, and this is something I've watched and I've seen through the years, and it's a major problem, especially among the younger generations. But I even begin, but I even see it somewhat in the older generations. What is a friend? Somebody supports you, somebody's close to you no matter what. What did you all say back there? Somebody that you depend and trust upon. 
you know, and, and, and so these are some great answers. This is somebody that you can depend on, somebody you can trust on, somebody you can lean on, somebody that's there for you no matter what. This is a friend. But in, the, in this young generation, I can meet you for, I can, I can have met you five minutes ago, and all of a sudden you are my best, best friend. You're my best friend. You're my commandant. You're my, you're my, go, you're like my ride or die person. Uh, but that's not what a friend is. That's not what a friend is. A friend is somebody that you have gotten to know, that you've established a relationship. I mean, honestly, if I just met Jim yesterday and, um, and somebody said, well, tell me about Jim. His name is Jim. Where does Jim live? I don't know. What does Jim do for a living? I don't know. Does Jim have a family? Uh, mentioned something about a girlfriend, but I'm not sure if he was talking about a current one, old one, or what. Oh, okay. But you and Jim are friends? Oh, yeah, we're best friends. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. No, in order to be a friend, you have to get to know them. You have to have, you, you got to know some things about them. Well, how much, you know, God wrote us 66 letters so we could get to know him. He did. Now, here's the deal. Uh, years ago, when I was dealing, when I began to see this problem, when I began to see this issue, uh, well, let me backtrack. Let me get back to this first. Let me backtrack, get back to this first. We know that God heareth not a sinner. If some complete and total stranger who you've never met a day in your life comes to you and starts asking you for all kinds of massive assistance, like, I've got, you know, this massive debt. I need you to get me out of this massive. I'm not talking like I need $10 for a meal. I'm talking like I need you to buy me a car. Uh, pay, you know, I need you to pay my rent, my electric, and my water. Oh, and by the way, go get me some groceries. And you've never talked to this person a day in your life. How apt are you to jump in there and do all that for them? <laughs> she said, I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to leave. You know what? That's the same response God has. Oh, really? Okay. I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to leave. Oh, you don't want me. Okay. But how many, I mean, yes, God, out of his loving goodness, out of his loving kindness, out of his loving mercy, because how much you know his love is so much higher than ours. His goodness will draw a sinner into relationship. But he's not going to just pour out his love just to dump love on them. Because there's plenty of people out there that will take advantage of you and not think twice. In fact, we were, Michael and I were down in Atlanta and what have you. We were sitting in the parking lot of this one store that we were going to go in and just kind of, you know, talking some things over. And this lady walked up to the window and knocked on the window. And she gives us this long sob story about how she just moved from Ohio her and her two or three kids, and they got down here and they moved, uh, and they didn't have any money for it. She said, I'm just, I'm just looking to see if you have any cash at all so I can get me and my kids a meal. And Michael and I both looked at each other and thought, how do you move multiple states and don't even have food to, ma- to feed your kids? Like, what? And sometimes, we'll say, and I looked at Michael, I said, I don't have any cash whatsoever. And he thought about it for a second. What was he doing? He was checking with his spirit. He checked with spirit, and he pulled out $20 out of his wallet, and he handed it to her, and he said, uh, he said, I, I think you can get a little something for you and your kids with this. I can give you this. And I, and I leaned over, and I said, that's from Jesus, by the way. 
And she said, oh, okay, thank you. And then she went, and we watched. And as soon as we rolled up the windows, we said, well, that was a big fat lie, but Jesus had his helper anyways. Jesus just blessed her and speak to her. So out of the goodness and kindness of God, God will sometimes use somebody to reply. But how much, you know, he didn't buy, go out and buy her a house. He didn't go out and buy her a house. You know, and I mean, we watched her go approach two or three other people before we were gone. So, you know, it was like whatever. But, but you know, God is very much so. We tend to think that God is like, yes, he's higher, but we tend to think that he does stuff that we ourselves won't even do. Are you going to let a murderer in your house that has no remorse for murder? Are you going to let a bank robber in your house that has no remorse for robbing the bank? Are you going to let the kleptomaniac in your house unattended? Oh, sure, come in my house. You know, the house is unlocked. We never lock our doors. Go ahead, go in the house. Help yourself to whatever you want. I'll be home in an hour. How much you know you come home, your house is going to be empty? But yet we tend to think, oh, but God's so loving. He loves them in the midst of all their sin. He does love them. Don't get me wrong. He does love them, uh, but he's not paying attention to them either. Because he's like, you're robbing me. You're, you know, you're, you're, making, you're making things not so good in my world. I want you to go to um, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We've got to debunk some things to understand some things. We're going to try to debunk some things to understand some things. Mark chapter 11. And uh, we're going to pick up right here in verse, uh, I said Mark 11, I meant Matthew 11, I apologize. Sorry, on your notes. Matthew 11. And here... uh, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, tells them to go out. He gets done dealing with them, and he sends them out. And uh, Mark 11, we're going to pick up right here in verse, I mean Matthew. Sorry, Matthew 11. I don't know why Mark is on my brain. Matthew chapter 11. uh, And I want to pick up right here in... Well, we're going to end up picking up in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And now John, talking about John the Baptist, had, had heard in the prison the works of Christ who had sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? So John the Baptist, who had baptized Jesus and got arrested right after he baptized him, was in prison. And John had a bunch of disciples following him. um, And he sent some of his disciples because he was getting word in prison about all of the wonderful works that Jesus was doing. And at this point, Jesus was not yet proclaiming to be the Messiah. And when... When, um, 
you know, when you speak by the Spirit, you say things by the Spirit, and then you go, really, God, did I hear that right? Did I catch that right? Did I, you know, from a minister standpoint, when the Lord says, hey, call somebody up and pray over them, I'm going to tell you right now, in the natural, you're thinking, Lord, please don't let me mess this up. Lord, please don't let me say something wrong. Lord, please, what I say, please let it speak to their heart. Let it confirm some things. Don't let me goof this thing up. I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, uh, my stepdad, you know, I didn't know anything about his position with God. He went home uh, prematurely, and we didn't know if he made heaven or hell, and that really, really bothered my mom for years. It really bothered her. In fact, the Sunday before that, he, he on a Sunday afternoon, they had made the decision that the following Sunday they were going to go to this non-denominational church that her, their friends had invited them to, which was like a huge deal for our family, huge. I'd only seen him in twice, two other times in my life. And so this was a huge deal. Well, on Wednesday evening, he passed over into eternity. And for some reason, that Sunday-Wednesday event just really stuck with me and had an impact on my life. Um, and uh, he had always said, the next heart attack I have, that'll be the one. I'll, I'll just go, and that's what exactly happened. And so he passed away um, in 98. And so all through the end of the rest of 98, March of 98, and go through 98, 99, 2000, 2002, 2003, 2004, we get over here to 2004, and all these years, it's just really been bothering mom, did he make heaven or did he make hell? And we had seen some things. He had kind of left some proofs here and there that kind of led us to believe he had made heaven. Now, during this time, we were being told all kinds of crazy things. Like, uh, when you die, you go to the grave, that's it, that's the end. We were told that when you die, you go to the grave, and you got to stay in the grave until Jesus comes back. And all these awful, and all these things, you know, what happens to your, you know, your, this, this love mate that you have. And I mean, just crazy things. And um, our pastor at the time, he was awful with names ridiculously awful with names. Pastor Mike was, he called Pastor Mike Tim for months, for months. My husband's name was Tim for months. And uh, he's just awful with names. So we're doing prayer, we're having prayer, and we've been praying, we've been meeting every Thursday night having prayer, and the Holy Spirit starts to move, and he said, Miss Ann, let me pray over you, and he started to pray over him. And you could tell that my pastor was sweating this. I mean, you could tell. He, he had this habit when he was talking to the Holy Ghost that he'd close his eyes and he'd pace. And he'd just have a conversation with the Lord like there was nobody else in the room. He just had this habit of that. And he, he started saying, oh, Lord, please don't let me get this wrong. Oh, Lord, are you sure you want me to say that? Oh, Lord, if I get this wrong, I'm going to tear everything up. I'm going to mess everything up, Lord. Oh, Lord. I mean, he was distressed. And finally he said, okay, Lord. And he laid hands on Mama, and he said, Miss Ann, I sure hope I get this right. And I thought, well, this is an interesting way to pray. He said, but I heard the Lord say, Richard is with me there in heaven, here in heaven. And when he said that, everything just broke off of it, Mom. And as soon as he got done praying, his wife came over and said, please tell me he got it right. Please tell me he got the name right. Because they had never met my stepdad. They, in fact, when we ever talked about my stepdad, we'd either say my stepdad or she'd say my husband. We never, ever said the name. So there was no way for him to know the name. So when he said that, I mean, it just broke everything. 
So what I'm saying is, you know, when, when John, when Jesus came to River Jordan and said, Behold, the one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unlatch, he realized by the Spirit, he basically said, This is the Messiah. But now he's in prison and he's hearing about the works. And even though this is his cousin, he's going, are you sure you're the Messiah? Are you sure? Because that always always kind of, I always wondered, why did John go, I'm thinking, John, you baptized him. John, you're the one that said, behold, the one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unlatch. This is the one that you were in the womb and you leaped. But how much, you know, they didn't see each other, you know. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, John, how could you not know? Well, because when you say things by the Spirit, there's been times I've said something by the Spirit, and now we can rec- now we record everything so we have record. But back then they didn't record it. And then John probably said it, and somebody probably said, John, did you know that you said this? And John probably said, no, I didn't say that. You know, so John's curious, is Jesus the one he water baptized? Is he the Messiah? So he sends his disciples and he, and he, to, to Jesus. And says, are you the one? Are you the one? And this is what Jesus answered. And Jesus answered unto him and said, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. He didn't say, yeah, I'm the Messiah. He just said, go, go tell him. Why? Because John knew the scriptures. And John knew if these are the signs and wonders that are happening, that's fulfilling the scripture. That should answer it for John. And here's why. Because you have to come to Jesus by faith. And John also had to come to Jesus by faith. The very one that water baptized him had to come to him by faith. He said, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and uh, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And and as they departed, Jesus began to say uh, to the multitude concerning John. Now, this is what Jesus has to say about John. He says, what went you out into the wilderness and see? He asked him, he said, when, when, uh, when John was here and he was baptizing, why did you, why did you go out into the wilderness to see him? Uh, were you looking for a reed shaken with the wind? In other words, were you looking for something unusual? Uh, but, but what, when you went out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Were you looking for a man dressed in royalty clothing? The other thing that this soft raiment, I looked this word soft up, and I was shocked at what I found. I was shocked. It means soft, like, you know, your clothing is soft. It does mean that. But it also means to be a homosexual male prostitute. Yeah. She said, really, for those on the recording. It, uh, that word soft actually also, now it says raiment, so we know he's talking about clothing here. But he said, uh, but, you know, and so, so there was a little bit of an indication, like he, Jesus was asking, were you looking for, for somebody that was like crazed and out of their mind? Were you looking for somebody that was, you know, uh, a little what, what the world would call a little fruity or a little flaky? Were you looking for something, you know, well, you know, he, they were, he, he, in a, he, in a, he, on the one hand, 
Now, here's the other thing. A lot of these, when they would call these men soft, a lot of them uh, were actually kept in the um, households of the pagan leaders so that the pagan leaders could um, take care of their business, we'll say. A lot of these homosexual prostitutes. Uh, so, so here, I mean, obviously he is definitely talking about the clothing, but there's also considering the wording that he chose is also an indication of were you looking for something a little different, we could say. I, I was, I was like, whoa, okay. He said, a man clothed. He said, uh, but verse eight. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Um, and of course, John was not clothed in soft raiment. John was clothed in animal skin. He was, he was a rugged, tough person. He said, behold, they that wear soft clothing. Look at what it says. They that wear soft, that clothing is italicized here. It says, Behold, they that were soft are in the king's houses. So think about that with that definition of soft. Those are in the king's houses. He he said, But wait. (laughs) He said, Verse 9. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? He said, Did you go to see something? Uh, fruity and flaky and immoral or did you go to see a prophet you know did you go to see somebody high society what what were you looking for yea i say unto you and more than a prophet he said he said yep john's a prophet in fact he's more than a prophet for this is he of whom it was written behold i send my messenger before the face which shall prepare the way before thee. He flat, Jesus flat told them, John is the forerunner of the Messiah. He flat came out and declared who John the Baptist was. John was the forerunner of Christ. He said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is putting himself lower than John the Baptist. He says, notwithstanding that he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he's saying, you know, John was the greatest. But how much, you know, Jesus was considered the lowest. Because why? Because he was sent to the sinner's cross. He was sent to the sinner's cross. He said, and from this day... And he said, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, and continuing on at this point, it says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, we don't, we don't run, you know, we don't, you know, charge the kingdom of heaven in the natural, but we certainly pull down the things that we need, want, and desire through force of faith, through the force of faith. And that's what he's talking about. Faith takes what it is, t- takes what belongs to it. Faith, and that's what he's talking about. Faith says, uh, "Lord, I'm coming for my provision, and I will not be denied." That's what he's talking about here. Um, and he said, basically, he what, what Jesus was saying was, when John the Baptist entered the scene, the flow of God has changed. Instead of God doing all the work, now we. The people, of children, the people of God, we now have to obtain by faith. He said, 
For all the prophets in the law prophesied unto John. And if you will receive, this is Elijah, which was to come. Now, John the Baptist was not Elijah reincarnated. The Bible does not preach and teach reincarnation. When he says John was Elijah, it was prophesied that there would be one that would have an anointing similar to Elijah that would come. And so basically what he's saying is that same anointing that was on Elijah is now on John the Baptist. And uh, he said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling for their fellows. Oh, Lord, this generation is this way. And saying, we have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. In other words, he said, this generation, they're sitting there, they're sitting in the streets, and they're going, we've played our music, and you... God won't dance for us. We've, you know, mourned and oh, and and you won't lamentate over us. In other words, they said, God, we're telling you what to do and you won't do what we want you to do. That's really what he's saying. How much, you know, people today are trying to make their own man-made Jesus. They're trying to make their own man-made Jesus. Even today, they're like, well, this is how my God works. And then they wonder why their God doesn't show up. Well, they had the same problem in Jesus' day. And this is where it gets crazy right here. He says, he says right here, he says, the son, he said, John came neither, neither eating or drinking, and they saith, he has a devil. John didn't come drinking the banqueting wine. John came, he ate, he ate what was very legally allowed under the, under the law. John followed the law. John was, I mean, John did everything right according to the law. And they said, oh, he has a devil because he acted a little different than they did. So then he so now Jesus said this. He said the man, he said the son of man comes eating and drinking. So he comes opposite of John. He's a little more different than John. John's doing everything by the law. Jesus is doing the law, but John, because Jesus fulfills the law, he can do a little eating and a little drinking a little differently. And this is what they say of Jesus. Behold, a man gluttonous. Because Jesus, Jesus isn't fasting all the time. Jesus is like, you know, because he, I mean, he is, he's got the Holy Spirit on him. He doesn't have, you know, he, and they're saying, oh, he's gluttonous. He partakes in stuff that it's not right for him to partake in. Well, we know that's not true. If he was gluttonous, he couldn't have gone to the cross. If he was gluttonous, he couldn't have gone to the cross. If he was a drinking man, he couldn't have gone to the cross. He would have been impure. But they, but they called him drinking, and they called him gluttonous. And look out! Look what else. they called him a wine bibber. They didn't even call him a drinking man. They called him a drunk. They called it. They called Jesus a drunk. And then they called they called Jesus this a friend of publicans and sinners. That phrase "friend of sinners" is actually a derogatory statement about our Christ. It's a derogatory statement. Now, does Jesus love the sinner? Of course, he loves the sinner. But he's not their friend. 
He is not their friend. To be their friend means that he has to be their confidant. That means that he's got to be by their side no matter what. No, if you want to serve the devil, Jesus, I mean, if you're over here serving the devil, Jesus is going to step over here and go, you do you, boo-boo. When you get tired of beating, eating, come on over. Come on over. Jesus made way for us to be his friend, but he is not friend to them. Now, did Jesus go to them and minister to them? Honestly, every time I found Jesus, he was, every time I find Jesus in the Bible, he's in the synagogues or he's in a big public open airspace. I don't find Jesus in the red sector. I don't find Jesus in the bars. I don't find Jesus in the harlot houses. I don't find Jesus in the gambling houses in the scriptures. I don't find him in those places. Every time the scripture declares where he is, he is either in the synagogues teaching or he's simply walking from one synagogue to the other or traveling by boat and the people are flocking to him. They're coming to be his friend. He's not going to be their friend. And this is a real problem in the body of Christ because in the body of Christ we go, well, in order to reach the world, we've got to be like the world. No, if you're going to reach the world by being like the world, all you're going to do is lead yourself into the flesh. All you're going to do, if you, if you draw your, listen, no, we don't turn off the lights in this house. Here's why we don't turn the lights off in this house. Because, you know, when it first started being real popular and I was under the authority of a pastor and, you know, that was the thing to do. You know, we did it to some degree during praise and worship and what have you. And all of a sudden, by the Spirit, the Lord said this out of my mouth. And I went, okay, Lord, we're fixing that right now. The Lord said out of my mouth in the middle of praise and worship, he said these words. He said, you better get used to praising and worship because there's no light switch in heaven. And I went, yeah, praising God. He said, you better, he said, you better get used to praising and worshiping with the lights on because there's no light switch in heaven. Because one of the youth were going, Pastor, can I turn off? Miss Robbie, can we turn off the light? Mr. Mike, can we turn off the light? And as soon as those words came out of her mouth, out of my mouth came, no, you better get used to worshiping with the lights on because there's no light switch in heaven. And I mean, that brought an end to the worship service. That brought an end to it. You know, oh, we just got rebuked and created by heaven. No, we don't turn the lights off. God turned the lights on, and ever since, man's been trying to turn them off. He said, let there be light, so let's turn on the light. So, no, we don't do the light machines. We don't do the fog machines. We're not going to fake the glory cloud. We're not going to fake the glory cloud. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, no, we're not going to play worldly secular music. This will floor you. There are, there are churches that will play their opening song to their worship, for the worship of God. Their opening song is highway to hell to draw the sinners in. If you're going to draw in the world and you're going to worship the world, uh, then guess what you're going to have? You're going to have a worldly fleshy church. That is not going to qualify for Jesus. And then when you start to put the word into them, they're going to get offended and they're going to scatter. But now you've built your ministry on their, on, on all the people and you've got all these things going. And if you don't keep the people, then you don't keep the money, then you get in a hot mess. How'd you get me here, Holy Ghost? No, Jesus taught the word. Jesus was not this friend of publicans, that word publicans, that word publicans, 
uh, talks about tax collectors and farmers because the tax collectors and the farmers were charging outrageous fees and they were basically taking advantage of the people so they were despised not only by the Jews but by all cultures because they were taking advantage of people. Um, and sinners, of course, are those that are rooted in sin all the time. So Jesus said no. So this was a so so is Jesus a friend to the sinner? No. Is he the loving, compassionate God that will draw them out of their sin? Yes. But is he their friend? No. He says, if you want the devil to be the one that takes care of you, then I'll let the devil take care of you. Sometimes, and this sounds mean and this sounds rough, sometimes people have to hit absolute rock bottom before they will ever come to God. I say this all the time because you get around ministers and ministers are like, man, it's getting rough out there or something. And I'll just look at them and I say, what's going to? Or a regular, I don't care who I'm talking to. They'll say, man, it's getting rough out here and this happened, that happened. And I just look at them and I go, well, of course it is. And they go, what do you mean? I say, well, nobody comes to Jesus in rainbows and puppy toes. Nobody comes to Jesus in rainbows and puppy toes. In other words, when life is rosy, life is sweet, you've got all the food, your, your table is full of food, your refrigerators are full, you got gas in the car, you got a job that's pleasant and good, you know, you got your 2.5 kids and your 3.4 cars and you're living the high life uh, and everything's going good for you, in those moments you don't need Jesus. It's when the pressure's on that people come. It's when the pressure's on. So, you know, Jesus is a really, you know, the Father God's really, really smart. And he says, you know what? He said, they'll come. He tells us to pray for him. He tells us to pray for laborers. He tells us to pray for the laborers. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. So we're talking about you are called into a relationship. Well, who called us? And, and, uh... What relationship? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, I want you to look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day. God called the light day. God spoke the light into existence, and then he called it day. That word called, we could say it this way, when God called the light, we could say it this way, God created the light. God created. So if God called and God created are interchangeable, if God created you, then he called you. If he created you, then he called you. And you can go all the way down through chapter 1, and you can see that God called the sun, the sun, the moon, the moon, the stars, the stars. God called the animals forth. In fact, it, said, in fact, it actually says that God called the animals forth. What does that mean? It means he created them. It, he created them by his words. Go to uh, Genesis one twenty six. And it said, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness um, and let them have dominion. Uh, if God create, now God did not create the platypus in his image. Obviously, the platypus was not created in God's image. The giraffe was not created in God's image. 
Huh? God might be tall. Oh, he is tall. But I don't think he's got this really crazy long neck and spots. And No, you know, I don't think that's what he looks like. How, how do you know? Well, because we are made in his image. We are in his image. And if God created somebody in our image, created us to be in his image and in his likeness, why would he do that? He didn't create the animals that way, but he created us that way. Why? He created us that way for relationship. Why do parents, when they get married and have children, create children? Relationship, right? Parents long to have that relationship with a child. Where do we get that desire? From God. From God. From God. So if we're like him and we're like his image, then... um, and, and we have a desire to have children, and we desire to have a relationship with children. How much do you know God desires relationship with children? Where did he get the idea to give us that desire? Because he desired it. He desired relationship with children. Well, I don't know why God created me. He created you. He called you for relationship. He called you to be his child so that you could have a relationship with him. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And uh, I want you to look at this. Well, let's back up just real quick. Genesis chapter 3. We are going to be in 3. Let's pick up in verse 7. This is right after Adam and Eve takes of, the, takes of the fruit and eats the fruit, Genesis 3, 7. And it says, And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees or fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So when they ate the fruit, something changed. Adam and Eve went from being clothed in the glory of God to being naked physically. They were clothed, and, you know, they were clothed, and they looked like God. And then they ate of the fruit, and now they're no longer clothed in the glory, and now they don't look like God anymore. And now they realize this is not a good look, and they try to cover themselves with their fruit or with the leaves of the, of the fig tree. And, uh, and then it says in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That cool of the day, I've talked to the Lord about that. There's a margin of my Bible. It says the wind of the day. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, when precisely is the cool of the day? And the Lord began to show me and reveal to me that most of the time you hit the lowest temperature of the day first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. But then he said, but in the afternoons, very frequently in the afternoons, there's a wind. So the cool of the day is morning and evening. So obviously it was habit for the Lord to come and what, because they heard him. They heard the noise of God, and they knew, they knew that sound. They said, oh, that's God coming. They were able to distinguish God from the rhinoceros. They were able to distinguish God from the elephant. They were able to distinguish God from the turtle. Have you ever been in the woods and hear this crazy, ridiculous sound in the leaves? And you think, Good, oh, my God, Lord, what is that, a hog? And you get over there and you do a little investigating and you figure out it's a turtle pushing leaves around. And you think, that was ridiculous, right? Uh, you know, they were able to distinguish the sounds. And they said, that's God's coming. 
oh, God's coming. Plus, it was the right time of day for him. And uh, it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. So obviously, it was common practice for the Lord to come down and to meet with his children morning and night. How much you know, even today, that's common practice in a household. The parents get up. They spend a little time with the kids. They get the kids off to their day. The, kid, the parents go to their day. They come home in the evening, and hopefully there's at least a little bit of discussion about how was your day today. Did you have any questions? Do you have any issues? Is there anything that I can help explain to you? Is there anything I can help you with? That's what God did. Where did we learn this pay- pattern from? God. We learn this pattern from God. And uh, he, so he's there. And, and then Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God all, uh, amongst the trees of the garden. Have you ever been that kid that you messed up when mom and dad weren't home? And then you hid? Did you hide? Oh, yeah. My sister and I, you know, my sister is four and a half, five years older than me. And I frequently call her the bully because, you know, that's just bigger. That's bigger siblings. And I frequently call her the bully, and we were at my dad's house for the summer, and we had like two or three days left before we had to go home. And he was out working the tobacco fields or something, and we were in the house goofing around, and we decided, well, it would be real nice to clean the house for dad and make the house real pretty. And we did that. We had the house looking real, real nice, real good. And then uh, I was sitting on the couch, and here came my sister, the bully, and she plopped down on my lap. Of course, she's four or five years older than me, which when you're teenagers and children, that four or five years makes a pretty big difference in size. And she plops down on my lap, and I was trying to get her off of me, and she wouldn't get off of me. And I managed to squeeze up behind her, kind of get out from behind her, but not completely. And I was pushing her forward, and I'd push her forward, and she'd swing back and push me back. Well, one of the times she did this, my head went through the, through the wall right above the couch, and we freaked out. We freaked out because we was in trouble deep now. We was in trouble deep, and we thought, well, we'll be real smart like Adam and Eve, and Dad had these Afghans that sat on the couch, and we decided that if, because it was just above the couch, I mean right above the couch, and we decided that it would look real nice if we rolled up the Afghan and set it on the back of the couch. And then when Dad came home, we were like, Dad, don't you like that? That looks good. I think we need to leave the Afghan there. He's like, yeah, girls, that's fine. That looks great. No problem. So we go off to bed, and we think, whoo, we made it through the day. We're good. Just two more days to go. Then we get up that morning, and Dad's sleeping on the couch with the Afghan covering him up. And now we're like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? We tried, for, and we managed to hide it for about an hour. And then all of a sudden, he happened to notice. He noticed we was acting a little peculiar. And then he figured out we put a hole in the wall. He, to this day, he still reminds me of that from time to time. He said, yeah, that's not one of our finer moments. But, you know, uh, how, where did we learn that behavior from? Adam and Eve. Uh, but, you know, and uh, it says, but here it says, and Adam and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called, what did he do? He called Adam, and he said unto him, uh, where art thou? He said, Adam, where are you at? What was he doing? He was having a conversation. Uh, if God was God and he was the authority over everything, and he already knows what they did, I mean, we know that. He already knows everything. 
but if he was a hard taskmaster, he wouldn't say, uh, Adam, where are you? He'd say, Adam, get over here, get over here right now. You are in so much trouble. I'm gonna, did it. No, God didn't do that. Why? Because God had a relationship with Adam and Eve. And he talks to them. And you'll find out that Adam is close enough to the Father God that he actually feels comfortable enough to look to God and say, it was that woman that you gave me, that you gave me. Um, how much do you know? you got to be kind of close to somebody to take your fault and blame it on them. you got to be kind of, you know, because my sister said, Robbie did it. It was her head. Measure her head. And I said, I said, Rama did it. She was the one that pushed me into the wall. How much you know? We had a relationship. We had a relationship. Adam and Eve with God had a relationship. Because Adam turned around and said, Ah, it was the serpent. It was the serpent. Yeah, he did it. He did it. He beguiled me. So uh, God, from the beginning, it was God's plan from the very beginning to have relationship with all of his children, with all that was created. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 5. I want to look at Enoch. Genesis chapter 5. Glory to God. And uh, we're just going to look at some scriptures here. Genesis chapter 5. And it says, verse 22, Genesis 5:22, And it says, And Enoch, well, and this is why you got to read the begats, because if you don't read the begats, you miss some really cool stuff in here. So it's going through the begats, and right here in the middle of the begats of, of Genesis chapter 5, it says, And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after uh, he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all of the days of Enoch were uh, 365 years. 365 years. But the next verse is just so powerful. It says, Enoch walked with God. This word walked means that he walked alongside. He walked alongside. It actually means that he kept pace with God. He stayed right in God's timing. He stayed right with him. He walked alongside of him. He walked beside him. He walked, uh, it also indicates that he was hand in hand with God. Hand in hand with God. It says that Enoch walked with God and was not, and he was not, for God took him. Uh, Enoch never experienced physical death. Enoch walked with such a close relationship with God that even though physical death had entered the earth, that he just walked with him. And God said, you know what, Enoch? You have such an understanding of me. You walk with me so closely that um, we're just going to, I'm just going to let you go ahead and come to heaven without experiencing God. Now, there's something that's interesting to me. They have a few of the writings of Enoch. Uh, and and um, through archaeological finds, what have you, they believe that maybe uh, Noah had taken Enoch's uh, letters or writings and onto the ark with them, and that's how they survived the flood and things like that. And a lot of your archaeologists and theologians study the writings of Enoch, and they pull some of their biblical conclusions from the letters of Enoch. But here's what I'm going to warn you. 
G, and they even say that Jesus and several of the disciples quoted from these letters of Enoch. Uh, but here's my question. If Enoch had everything right and Enoch was inspired by the Holy Ghost, then why was the letters of Enoch part of the Holy Scriptures while Jesus was alive? So obviously, even though Enoch walked so closely with God, there obviously was some things that he didn't have right when he was writing. There were some things he didn't have right. But despite that he didn't have some things right, he was still able to walk with God so closely that God said, Enoch, you don't have to experience death. Come on, let's just go to heaven. How cool is that? You know, Elijah was another one that didn't experience death. Remember, he got taken up in the chariot. How come? Because he was close to God. He walked close to God. From the beginning, we were created to have this relationship. I want to just go through and read some scriptures to help show you, uh, some New Testament scriptures to show you that you were called to walk with God. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1, nine. 2 Timothy 1.9. Y'all okay? It's right at 12 o'clock. You okay for just a little bit more? See, we had ministry ahead of time, and that kind of cuts in on the teaching time. 2 Timothy. If you want to find Hebrews, just back up just a little bit. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this it says who hath saved us well who do we know saved us jesus saved us he said who has saved us and called us with a holy calling in order to be saved you have to be called in order to be saved you have to be called who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works we don't get called because of anything we do. We get called simply because the Father loves us. But according to his own purpose and grace, God calls us for his own purpose and because of his grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Before God ever breathed your spirit out, God called you for his purpose for his plan, by his grace. What is his purpose? To have a relationship with you. That's why you were called. Let's go to Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. See, the reason I pointed out that God is not the friend of sinners is because if that's your mindset, well, Jesus is friend to all the sinners, then that degrades how you see yourself. You have to understand that you're high, that once you come into Christ, you're no longer a, you're no longer a down low sinner on Satan's territory, but you're somebody of, of esteem. You're somebody of a standard. You're righteousness. Uh, you're, you're gracious. Matthew 22 and 14. My computer people are moving faster than I am, but it's okay. 22 14 says this. I love this. He said, for many are called, but few are chosen. 
many, 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 many. In fact, the entire world over is called. The entire world over is called into relationship with God. But few are chosen. Many, we often use this verse in reference to ministry, to the fivefold, that many are called to the fivefold, but few are chosen. And there is a truth to that. But what causes you to go from called to chosen is your willingness to respond to the calling. Your willingness to respond. Many people will respond to salvation, but they will not respond to relationship. And therefore, they don't become chosen. You want to not only be called, but you want to respond. You want to respond. The responding is the important part. John 6.44. John 6.44. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, well, let's look at verse 30, 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. They were fussing and breathing against him by under his breath. He said, Stop murmuring. He said, No man can come to me except for the Father, which hath sent me to draw him. And I will raise him up at that last day. Jesus himself said, You don't get to come to me unless my Father draws you. Unless my father sends me to you, you don't get to come to me. See, we don't get to make Jesus our friend simply because we wake up one day and go, well, I think I need Jesus. No, Jesus was already reaching out and calling to you. He was already pulling on your heartstrings. He was already working on the inside. That emptiness and that void that people feel on the inside, that they try all manner of things in the world to fulfill, but nothing satisfies. What you're missing is that that's the draw of of Jesus because the Father has called out your name. You're called, you're created for this relationship. Jesus is the one approaching you for the relationship. He's the one coming to you. And if you will respond, then he will call you up and then he will raise you up in the last day. Uh, So we're here in John. Let's look at Luke. Let's look at Luke chapter 12. Let's look at Luke chapter 12. Verse 32, he said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come on, how much you know? We are called to the flock. We are called in to his family. In fact, we're right here in John. Let's put this in perspective. Let's look at John chapter 10, verse 3. John 10, 3. Well, actually, we're going to read verse 2 and 3. He said, Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, many are called, uh, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. 
The only way you're going to become a laborer for the harvest is to have relationship with the one doing the calling. Let me, let me help explain that. The only way that you are going to be a laborer for the harvest is you've got to have a relationship with the Lord or the head of the harvest. Otherwise, listen, my dad's from farm country. Unless you, if you're just a farm hand uh, and that farmer has 50 or 60,000 acres, if you don't have a relationship with the head of the farm, how are you going to know which of the 50,000 acres to farm, to harvest. Because if you harvest too early, you ruin the crop. If you harvest too late, you ruin his income. If you've got to harvest right on time. You've got to plant right on time. You've got to sow at the right time. You've got to fertilize at the right time. You've got to do everything at the exact right time. And the one that knows the time is the one that's the head. So if you don't have a relationship with the head, how are you going to know who to go be laborious for? You won't. You have to have that relationship. You have to have it. Verse 3 says this. He said, go, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth. This is not the right verse. I'm in Luke 10. I need Matthew 10. John 10. I'm sorry. John 10. I need John 10. That was still good. That was still good. Thank you, Jesus. John 10, 3. John 10, 3. Oh, my goodness. We're going to back up to John 10, 1. Verily, verily, which means truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Basically, if you don't, if somebody leads you in from some other way than Jesus, they're thieving you, they're robbing you. They're saying, oh, you can have your man made Jesus, they're robbing you. He said, but he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Well, who came in through the door? Jesus did. Jesus came through the door. And then verse 3, it says, to him the porter is open and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and lead them out. Jesus calls you into relationship by your name. By your name. Remember when Samuel was a little student under Eli and Samuel went to bed and he heard his name? He heard, the, he heard, he heard Samuel. He saw, he thought, Samuel thought he heard, heard Eli. Because he heard his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he remember Samuel got up out of the bed and he ran to Eli. And he said, Eli, why are you calling me? And he said, I, boy, I didn't call you. Get back in the bed. This happened three times. And the third time, Eli got smart. Eli went, I'm not the one calling you. It's the Lord and he's calling you by name. Next time you hear your name, respond, Lord, here am I. And Samuel said, so when, Lord, when the Lord said, Samuel, 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 Samuel responded and Samuel said, Lord, here am I. And, and, and then from that moment forward, Samuel began to have relationship with the, with the Lord Jesus. Well, it's no different today. He calls you by his name. And if Jesus has called you, then that means that you're a sheep. Then that means you're a sheep. And every sheep needs a shepherd. 
Every sheep needs a shepherd. Glory to God. He called you. So now that we're in the right chapter and in the right book, uh, let's look at verse 14 and 15. Let's look at verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And look at what he says. I know my. That word sheep helps keep it in context. But he said, I know my. In other words, he said, I know my people. He said, I know my. I know my. My. We are part of Christ. How much do you know? You know your own. Do you know your own physical body? Do you know when, your, when, when some part of your physical body is not doing what it's supposed to do? Do you recognize that? Do you feel that? And what do you take? What do you do? I have ownership. My head, my foot, my big toe, my leg, right? Jesus calls you by name and he says, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. He's called. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am, no, and am known of mine. How much do you know? If we have this relationship that we're called to, we should know God. No, chi- no child of God should ever declare, well, you just don't know God. Well, you just can't ever know God's will. The only reason you don't know God's will is because you don't spend time in the Word and you don't spend time praying. That's the only reason you don't know the will of God is because you don't spend the time meditating. You don't spend time abiding in the word because if you did, this would come true. If you spent time, how do you get to know your friends? You spend time with them. But here's the deal. If you spend time with them and you do all of the talking, are, they know, are you learning anything about them? Nope, nothing. In order, in fact... There are people that I'm like, I love them, but I cannot get an or, a word in with, I can't get a word in edgewise. It's a drudgery to spend time with them because I can't ever get a word in. And it's like, seriously? Now, I used to be that person, and I was that person because of insecurity. And I thought, like, if I just talk, 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 but the Lord told me one day, he said, you're a horrible friend. Because I was complaining about these young people who they meet somebody and five seconds later they're their best, best friend. And I was like, Lord, how do I explain friendship to them? And he said, well, before you can explain friendship to them, you need to work on you. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're a horrible friend. And he was right. Because they never took the time to find out what they were interested in. If they were interested in tennis, I went, oh, I don't know anything about tennis. We can't talk about that. I never bothered to learn anything about tennis, but I wanted to have friendships with this person. But tennis is very important to that person. So guess what I had to do? I had to learn about tennis. I was with my brother-in-law who loves sports. After I put this into practice for some years. And he loves sports. So when I get around him, I'm like, Rich, I don't pay. I, I, and I'm very upfront with him. I'm like, hey, Brother Rich, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to sports. But I know, but, so tell me what season is it? Who, what team's doing good? What are we watching? What are we into? And he looked at me one day. And for years, he's given me all the information. And I've always been very intrigued and very interested by it. And all of a sudden, one day, he looked at me and he said, none of this matters to you. And I said, actually, it matters a lot to me. And he goes, but you don't ever pay attention to sports. I said, no, I don't pay attention to sports, but sports matters to you, therefore it matters to me. 
And I was, and, and, and because sports matter to him and I took enough of an interest, I can have a decent conversation with him about basketball. I can have a decent conversation about football. I can have a decent conversation about hockey. And if he uses a term that I'm like, wait, what does that mean? I'll ask him, can you explain that to me? And instead of just getting him to talk and just letting the information just glaze over me, I purposely take that information and I deposit it in myself so that next time I can talk to him, I can understand what he's talking about. Uh, this is called training the brain. Training the brain. I'm learning what matters to them. I'm learning what matters to my sister, you know, to my sister and to other people. I'll sit down with you and I'll ask you questions about your life, not because I'm being nosy, because I'm showing you I care about you. Well, guess what? I do the same thing with the Lord Jesus. I sit down with the Lord Jesus and I'll ask him, so, Lord, how are you doing today? Do you know that the spirit, get, that his spirit gets grieved? And you can actually sense it. And, I'll, and when I sense that, I'll go to the Father and I'll go, Father, I sense that the spirit is grieved today. What's the matter? What can we, what, Father, explain to me what you're grieved about so that I can help, so that I can help carry the load. Do you ever consider helping to carry the load for God? Father, Father I, I'm sorry that you're grieved about this. Uh, tell me what's going on so I can pray. Because if I can pray, then you can do something about it. But if nobody will pray, then your hands are tied. And I don't want your hands tied, oh God. You know, we've got to learn, it says that not only does he know me, but that I should know him. I should know by Jesus intimately. I need to know him intimately. I want you to go to um, Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah 33.3. No, Jeremiah. Where are you hiding? There you are. He's right after Isaiah. Well, you know, back there where your pages are kind of stuck together a little bit. Jeremiah 33.3. This, uh, this is what Jeremiah said by the Spirit. He, uh, God told him, he said, call on to me. This is God talking. And God said, call on to me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If you don't know things, call on God. God is the friend who is always teaching. God is the friend who is always teaching. There's no need for us to ever throw up our hands and go, I just don't know. No reason for that. If we're in that position where we feel like we have to throw up our hands and go, I don't know, that's the moment that we need to go, Jesus, Father, I call on you because your word said that you would show me great and mighty things and that you would teach me. And if I lacked any knowledge, all I had to do was ask and you would give it to me liberally. So, Father, teach me. And, Father, oh, that just makes him so happy. Your spirit almost gets giddy just from saying those words because the father goes, oh, my children want me to teach them. How much do your parents love to teach their children? That's the most obnoxious thing about being a parent. I watch parents. Parents, you know, when the babies are little and they're teaching the babies how to do stuff and the babies figure out how to do something new, the babies are all like, ah, the parents go all crazy and it's great. And then the kids reach that obnoxious age, I can do it myself, and they dump milk everywhere and the kids are like, 
the parents are like, oh, another mess to clean up. And But it's a teaching opportunity. Okay, baby, we're going to clean the mess. We're going to get all this. And in these ages, these parents all say, man, I can't wait till my teenager, till my child becomes a teenager, and I can begin to impart some wisdom into them and some things into them. And they're like, when, they're, when the kids are young, they're like, man, I can't wait till they get to that point where I can start to, and to put some things into them. And I'm sitting there back there going, I'm so sorry. Because what happens inevitably as as teenagers is the teenagers think that they are smarter than everybody on the planet, and they don't need anybody to teach them anything, and they're hitting their... We used to raise birds, and the birds used to do this. They, you know, when they're little babies, they don't have any feathers, they're fine, they don't know how to do anything. It's great. Um, But then they start bobbing their heads, and automatically their wings start to bob while their heads are bobbing, and then they start going, hey, these things stretch out, and they start kind of fluttering, and they're flinging food everywhere, and you're thinking, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. How much, you know, they don't know how to use those things. And when they find out that they can get a little lift, oh, Lord Jesus, cover the windows, turn off the ceiling fans. I mean, you put up all the safety guards, child-proof the house, because that bird is taking off and flying, and that bird doesn't know what it's going to do. And if it does, and if it hits wrong, it's going to break its neck, and it's going to die instantly. Uh, so you gotta, you got to be right there with them. Well, teenagers act very much so the same way. My wings are flying, and they fly into all kinds of messes and all kinds of things. And, you're, and the parents are back there going, oh, if they just come to me, I could have saved them so much. Ask God. God is up in heaven looking at us adults, and we're down here flapping around like like birds with no direction. I don't know what to do, girl. I don't know what to do. And he's like, would you just ask me? Would you just come to me? Would you just, would you just come sit down and talk to me? Just come sit with me. Come talk with me. We're created for a relationship. Kenneth Hagin, is, uh, there's a testimony out there of one minister that um, – Whatever reason, Dad Hagen, they were in, they were in, I think, the Doubletree Hotel down there in Tulsa where he was having a meeting, and uh, his room door was propped open. It was the hotel was full of ministers, and his and Dad Hagen's door was propped open. And one minister went by the hall, and he heard Dad Hagen talking to somebody, but he only heard Dad Hagen's voice, and he thought, well, I wonder who he's in there talking to, and didn't think too much about it. Went to his room and come back through hour more later comes quite some time later and uh he he come back through and noticed that dad hagen was still talking and uh you know this is dad hagen this is this is the prophet this is you know this is dad hagen maybe i'll learn a little secret here or something so for whatever so he stood there and he never heard another man's voice for quite some time and so finally he kind of kind of peeked in the room kind of peeked in the room and saw Dad Hagen sitting on the floor of the hotel room, just sitting on the floor. And he was just sitting there talking, just talking. And it didn't seem like there was anybody in the room. So he thought, well, I'm, I'm a little confused by this. I don't know what's happening. Um, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get an opportunity to ask about it later. So later he asked Dad Hagen. He said, Dad Hagen, he said, I, I went by your room and there was – I heard you talking, and your door was propped open. I went to my room. I come back through like an hour and a half, two hours later, and, 
and, and you were still talking. I didn't hear anybody else, and your room door was propped open. And I, I wasn't meaning to be intrusive or anything, but I happened just to kind of peek in and saw you sitting on the floor and saw you talking. And I was just curious if, if you're able to tell me who were you talking to all of that time. And Dad Hagen kind of smiled, and he said, oh, that's easy. He said, I was sitting and talking with my best friend, Jesus. Just sitting and talking to his best friend, Jesus. So before you slap a BFF label on somebody else, you need to learn to slap the BFF label on the Lord Jesus. You need to learn to take all of your issues to him. You need to learn how to pour your heart out to him. You need to learn to talk out your stresses and your cares and your worries with him. You need to learn to talk to Jesus like you would talk to your best friend. You need to talk to Jesus like you would talk to your spouse. Many people will ask me, well, who's, you know, is Pastor Mike your best friend or your mama is your best friend? And I tell them, no, no, my husband is not my best friend. And they all gasp, your husband's not your best friend? I said, no. I said, I'm not, my husband is not my best friend and I am not my husband's best friend. And I get a second gasp and they go, what do you mean? I said, Jesus is my best friend and Jesus is his best friend and then we're each other's friend. Why? Because I know the voice of my shepherd, and he has my answers. And you know what? When my God has my answers, it takes so much pressure off of my husband. When, when, when God has my husband's answers, it takes so much pressure off of me. Why? Because I'm going to the one that has all the answers. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. So we were called, we were built, we were created for relationships. That's true. But our relationships that we're called and created for, yes, we're called and created for each other. But before we're called and created for each other, we're called for the Father, relationship with Him. And if you will spend a third of the time making a friendship with Jesus that you spend on making friends with the world, your life with God will explode. People are spending way too much time trying to be friends to the world and not enough times being friends with the one that called them and created them to be his friend. We have got to make some adjustments. Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? Well, we first of all, we need to get all of our friends pushed back on the level of their on their level and we need to elevate Jesus on the friend level and we need to share all of our life with him there's so many times I talk to people and I'll say just pour your heart out to Jesus and they go what do I say to him why don't you tell him what you're telling me why don't you take up his time instead of my time not that I'm not willing to help you But at some point, I'm not going to be available. And if I'm not available, what are you going to do? You better learn how to talk to him in the storm. You better learn how to, in the midnight hour, you better learn how to call upon him. Because my phone just might be off. Or I might be so tired that I'm of no help. But thank God, God never sleeps. Do you know that God never sleeps or slumbers? He never has. There's not one time I've ever gone to Jesus and Jesus has said, Robbie, I love you, but you're just going to have to wait until I get some sleep because I cannot deal with your problems right now. 
And not one time has Jesus ever said that to me. Not one time. He's always awake. He's always up. He's always full of life. He's always full of vigor. And most of the time, he can say just a few words to me. And I go, oh, I just melt. I just melt. But we're so fixated on the tangible that we miss the finest relationship available to us. Glory to God. Well, we went over. I'm not going to apologize. God ministered to people's hearts. Glory to God. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Father God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you honor, glory, and praise. Uh, If our ushers will come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. It's such an honor and a privilege to give. Huh. Okay, Lord, we don't have to discuss that. Not that I care to give that much, but uh, I have to discuss that before I write that. I went to write one, and God threw a hun- an extra, uh, the hundred word in there, and I went, wait, what? <laughs> ah, that's all right. That's what happens when you get happy in the Holy Ghost. That's right. You know, you got to consult with the the banker. <laughs> uh, by the way, thank you to all of our service men and women and their families. Yesterday was Veterans Day. We don't ever want to fail to give honor and glory to our veterans. We come from a military family. Michael served in the Army. Brother served in the Navy. My grandfather's one served in the Army Air Corps. The other one was a Marine sniper. Um, we just have a lot of military in our family, um, and we're so thankful. And one thing that people need to understand is that when the husband or the wife is enlisted, the entire family is enlisted. The entire family is enlisted. Um, you know, so just just be thankful for them, and uh, we give honor and glory to them. And, Father, we just thank you for the honor and the privilege today. Father, we just glorify you. We thank you. We honor you. We worship you. Father, we thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to sow into the kingdom. It's an honor and a privilege to minister in the house and to be ministered to. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. You can serve the people. Satan, take your filthy hands off the money in Jesus' name. And... uh Angels, go get it. Cause prosperity to come. Listen, if you have a specific need, when you sow seed for it, tell that, you know, say, Lord, I'm sowing seed for this need right here and uh, demand the, the increase to come. Well, glory to God. We'll go get some lunch and take a nap. Be back for prayer at 5, healing school at, prayer and healing school at 6, and uh, we'll have a wonderful week. I don't know what Sunday, what Wednesday service is going to look like just yet, because Brother Derek's surgery is at noon 